What's up, guys? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, we'll recapping a Saturday full of lacrosse. Actually, still got a game going on right now um, on ESPN Plus, uh, Holy Cross and Colgate. That one looks like they're playing it in freaking Antarctica. Uh, got snow all over the place. They had to, uh, there was like a delay because, uh, delay in between quarters, I believe, because uh, they had to clear the field or whatever. But, um, still looks like a, uh, <clears throat> just a snowstorm out there. Uh, just looking at checking the live stream out right now. Um, there, Colgate is up in that one. Uh, should be probably. Will be done by the end of this recording, seven to five right now, as we record here. But we're not talking about that game today. Um, and really, there wasn't a ton of like exciting marquee matchups. Um, like there certainly were some good games, but the, you know, the the volume of like marquee matchups across the board was really down this week, um, which, you know, first week essentially of conference play for most teams. Um, you still have some ACC teams that have yet to play a conference game. Um, obviously, Big Ten, Mac, only playing in conference. Uh, Patriot League has started conference. NEC has started conference. Well, actually, the Mac, these games don't count towards the conference record, but it's against the conference opponent. So, um, essentially... Conference only, but the first game does not count towards your conference record. But and then we'll talk about some so, so, some in, uh, some MAC games later on in the show. But we got to start off with uh, a little a- ACC America East matchup. Um, you know, for my money, was the best game of the day. I thought, um, or one of the better games of the day. Uh, you had. Uh, Syracuse taking down Vermont 17 to 13. Um, and look, look, b- b- before we get into t- t- to this game, I- I've got to say, like, Vermont, like, y'all lost this one 17 13, obviously. But I don't know how you come out of a loss f- feeling any better than Vermont must have uh, felt coming out of this loss. They dominated in almost every area of the game. They did not quit. I mean, they were down 10 to 5 at one point, and it looked like Syracuse was going to run away. They did not quit. They Even in the late stages of the game, when Syracuse kind of went on a little run there at the end um, to end it, um, and it was clear Vermont was not going to get this W, um, kind of in the last minute two of the game, um, they did not quit. And Vermont, in many aspects, was the better team today. The, they were. Um, no, Tommy Burke dominated at the face-off dot, going 70%. Um, and remember, this is the same Syracuse face-off unit that took Petey Lasala to the freaking wall. They dominated him, dominated Virginia at that spot. Um, a week prior, and Tommy Burke comes in here super impressed with that performance that he had. Uh, Vermont also won the ground ball battle, uh, 42 to 29, almost doubling up uh, Syracuse in the ground ball battle. Uh, they went 20 for 22 in the clearing game. Syracuse went 23 28, so a little more even there. Uh, Vermont outshot Syracuse 55 32. 33 of Vermont's shots were on cage, 29 on cage from Syracuse. Vermont just flat out played a good game. They flat out did. And, like, if you look at Vermont, if, if you've watched their uh, first two games, um, I watched their first game against Bryant, and then, well, I watched the first quarter of UMass Lowell, um, who they blew out 21-7. to uh, But against Bryant, they lost 15-12, to and Bryant... It was a similar situation, obviously a lesser caliber of team, um, but a similar situation as where 
they were with them the whole game. And it was obviously, it was tied for a majority of that game. If I remember, it was just back and forth, uh, like ping pong. Um, and Bryant pulled away at the end. Um, here, Vermont, every time Syracuse looked like they were going to run away with it, Vermont had an answer. They had an answer to every single thing Syracuse threw at them. And, uh, you know, they weren't able to get the win. But again, like, if you, you know, they've got to be feeling as good as you can coming out of a loss um, after this game. And they're going in next week to uh, to Albany. They're going to Albany. Um, obviously, no fans or whatever. Um, that you know, I, I have to look at what next week's games are going to look like. The full schedule. Um, I haven't pulled that up yet, but uh, I would imagine you know Vermont Albany. If it's not the best game of next week, um, it's one of the best games of next week. Um, so looking here at next week's schedule, multiple midweek games. I mean, yeah, that's one of the better games next week is Vermont-Albany. So, um, I mean, you've got to feel good if you're Vermont coming into into next week against a very good Albany team that had, uh, they beat Hartford this week, DeHoke and Anacoka, seven uh, points in that one. Um, but if you're Vermont, got to feel good coming out of this win. For Syracuse, like, look, you just came off a, t- a 10-point win against Virginia. And again, I think I said on Thursday or on Tuesday, that game is like the poster child for the 2021 season because there's going to be games like that that you just have no idea what what went, what went wrong. You have no idea what happened. And yes, those crazy games like that every year. But in 2021, given everything that's surrounding this season, everything that was surrounding the lead-up to this season, it just emphasizes that even more. We saw it in college football, um, and we're seeing it in college lacrosse as well. So Syracuse, in this game, you know, their talent showed at the end. I think when you look at the areas where Vermont dominated, like, those are the areas where the game is usually won. So the fact that they can get beat in all those areas that I just mentioned a few minutes ago and still win the game, that's got to be a good sign for John Desco and his staff. Um, this offense, you know, there were times when this offense looked very, very solid, very crisp. There were times where this offense didn't look the best. I'll be honest with you. Didn't look the best. There were times when the Syracuse defense did not look the best. But Drake Porter played himself a solid game. Solid game there. On the offensive side for Syracuse, you know, Stephen Rafis, <clears throat> I think he's top five now is what I saw. An assist, a career assist, six assists, two goals. Phenomenal game from him. Owen Hiltz with uh, four goals and one assist, uh, five points on the night. Drake Porter, 20 saves, 60% save percentage. Fantastic performance from him. A few weeks ago, when, uh, who was that against? Was that against Army? Where, I believe it was Army, where, um, no, we people were saying, like, hey, what's wrong with Drake Porter? Yes, Army that lost there. Um, when people were saying, like, hey, what's wrong with Drake Porter? And then obviously had a solid game last week, another very good game this week. I think he's really stepping into his own. I think the Syracuse offense and defense overall, you're seeing kind of kick it into gear. Um, and, and again, they were able to lose in so many various categories of this game, but still win, that is very telling of how talented, how deep this team can be, how good this team can be. Moving on here to Penn State, Ohio State. So I did not get to watch this one. I don't have BTN Plus. 
Um, did not watch this, but um, this was a back and forth type game the whole way. Um, Penn State gets the 15 to 13 win. TJ Malone um, has emerged as kind of the leader of that Penn State offense. Um, from what I've read, from what I've seen on kind of the highlights and following the game on Twitter um, and the box score, the Penn State offense seems to have figured it out this game. Dylan Folds had a solid game. Mac O'Keefe had a hat trick. TJ Malone, five goals, two assists, as I mentioned. Um, it seems like the Penn State offense is starting to figure things out. As for the defense, I think we still uh, they still have some steps to go before they you know, quote-unquote, figure it out. Um, but solid game from the Penn State offense, which I think is what people have been waiting for the past two weeks. You obviously had that loss against Rutgers, loss against a very good Maryland team, um, a very deep Maryland team at that. And now you're able to go in and beat Ohio State, who has really... Their first game, they out-athleted Johns Hopkins with just the better athletes. Last week, got their doors blown off against Rutgers. And, you know, Penn State didn't necessarily get their doors blown off by Maryland, but they got beat pretty bad um, in a lot of areas. You could tell Maryland was the better team. Penn State seems to have regrouped. They went back out there. Um, you know, they did not quit in this one. You know, they got up uh, three goals in, in in this one, and they were still able to come out on the other side with the victory. Uh, got up three goals early, I should say. Um, and then Ohio State was always there, always able to answer. Um, it was a 7-7 tied game early in the third Penn State just kind of stepped on the gas and said, waved goodbye um, and was able to get that win. And, and well, Ohio, Ohio State, you no know, credit to them. Trail, uh, Justin Anasio, 17 for 29 at the faceoff dot. I don't know what's wrong with Gerard Arcelli. Um, he's not been his usual self this year um, at all. Granted, we're only three games in. Lots to still unpack. Uh, but, you know, do hope for Penn State's sake he can get going because they're not going to be able to win a lot of games like this um, where the other team's going 58% at the dot and you're getting the win um, still. And, and, and they barely eked it out, right? Uh, 15 to 13. Well, not barely, but um, it is a close game. And it was a close game late. Um, it was 13-12 um, with seven minutes to go. Uh, Mac O'Keefe, you no. Know, answered. Uh, Jack Myers had one for uh, Ohio State, and then O'Keefe got his third of the day to kind of seal the deal um, there for the Nittany Lions. So a good win for Penn State, certainly something that they can build off of um, as we're looking at this Penn State team, and certainly um, they have a game against Johns Hopkins next week, and then Michigan. I think both of those are winnable, very much so. Um, so like they've got to win both of those games. And this is a good confidence-boosting win for them. And hopefully they can turn that into two more wins uh, before you know the second half of the season gets going there um, in Happy Valley. So um, already touched on – did I touch on Maryland Hopkins? I did not, did I? So I'll just mention this. Um, you know, it was 7-7 seven to seven at – uh, half, and then Maryland goes bonkers, bananas, whatever you want to call it, and wins sixteen to seven. Um, yeah, this was not a close game. Again, I didn't watch it. Did not watch it. But um, I don't have BTM Plus, as I mentioned, so did not watch it. 18 to 10 win. I said 16 to 7. It was 16 to 7 late in the game, and then uh, Johns Hopkins had their lone goal. But um, Maryland, you know, I said on Thursday, I don't think Johns Hopkins has a chance of winning this game. 
and I they they didn't. They looked good in the first half, obviously. Being able to hang with them. Maryland's just deeper, has better athletes. That that's what it is. It is what it is. Uh, Logan Wisnowski's career day: nine points, two goals, seven assists. Jared Bernhardt, five goals, one assist. Nick Grill, three cause turnovers. Um, Logan uh, McGaney, 11 saves. Cole Williams for Hopkins had five points, as well as uh, Joey Epstein. So uh, both good games from those guys, Epstein and uh, Williams. Oh, excuse me, Epstein had four points, three goals, one assist, not five. Um, but good game from both of those guys. The usual suspects there for Hopkins, but... Maryland, just front to back, better team here. And I, I, I do want to mention something, and, and someone had brought this to my attention, or, and I've been getting messages about this every week since Maryland has played. Um, so the, the two big-time transfers that Maryland got were Griffin Brown out of Colgate and Eric Holden Holden out of Hobart. Now, Brown played today. And he's played in every game. He had two points against uh, Michigan. Didn't have anything against Penn State. And had one goal today. Eric Holden, I don't think, has seen the side, has seen, um, the field yet for for Maryland. Um, the thing with that is, like, look, both of those guys were great players at where they were. Okay, so Eric Holden played against Michigan and Hopkins. Um, did not play against Penn State. So he got in today, according to the box score, um, but didn't do anything. Look, this is a deep team. This is a very deep team. Any And they returned everybody from last year, essentially. So anybody who was coming in there as a transfer, unless your name was Michael Sowers, you weren't taking anybody's spot. I'm sorry. You were not doing that. Um, now, hopefully there's a way they can work these guys in. You know, As we get farther into the season, Eric Holden is obviously a great player. Griffin Brown is a great player. They did great things at their previous schools. But there was just no room. Like, only so many guys can touch. Like, there's one ball. There's one ball. It's not, there's, no. There's one ball, six guys on it, on an end at a time. Like, there's one ball. Okay? Um, no, you can only do so much with one ball. Um... So not everybody can get five goals, three goals, whatever a game. Um, so, you know, Eric Holden, Griffin Brown, like, yes, I would love to see those guys, uh, you know, contribute heavily at Midland. I think they probably could. But if they're not getting the playing time that uh, people expected from them based on what they did at their previous schools, you know, I don't think that's a knock on their talent. That's just a uh, that's just a fact of how deep Maryland is on offense. And they're deep. They are very, very deep. And I've mentioned that before, and I will mention it again. So that's my little spiel on that for y'all who've been asking about that. Uh, you can stop DMing me. Uh, play Eric Holden. Uh, was it someone said free Eric Holden uh, today? So stop it. Moving on here to uh, Georgetown. So they actually gave up 13 goals. 13 goals. Georgetown, the Hoyas, gave up 13 goals. But they scored uh, 20, so um, not really that big of a deal. Um, but, yes, they did give up 13 goals against Marquette. Uh, Marquette, man, like, played a solid game today. Ryan for Fazio, uh, 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 Fazio. With uh, four goals, uh, Griffin Fleming with five points, two goals, three assists for uh, the Golden Eagles. Uh, when we look for Georgetown, T.J. Haley, D. 
Dylan Hess, my man Dylan Hess out of uh, Pane Vidra, a big fan of his when he was in high school, a freshman there up at Georgetown now, um, had himself his best day of his freshman season. Nikki Petkovic, um, another transfer guy coming in from Colgate to a school in the DMV area. Eh? Um, no, those guys are the ones that stepped up. Jake Kaleway had five points also. Um, so we saw a diverse scoring uh, from Georgetown. Um, and look, Gibson Smith's out. I don't know how much that played into the defensive woes, if you want to call it that. I mean, giving up 13 and winning by... Well, they won by 13. Seven? Like, winning by seven is pretty decent. Don't care how... I mean, they obviously would have loved to have another, you know, 19-1 to game, but uh, you can't do that every week. So, uh, Georgetown gave up the most points they have um, all season uh, to Marquette, which if you were to tell me like Marquette was going to be the first team to get double digits on them, I, I would have told you you're insane, but um, they, they did that credit to the Golden Eagles and uh, that offense. They, uh, they got it done there, got it done against the, the Hoyas and, and when you look at the like the faceoff battle, James Riley went eighty-seven percent for for the Hoyas there. So it's n- not even like it was a uh, thing where Marquette just had uh, an insane amount of extra possessions. Um, you know, in goal, um, let's see who uh, my man Johnny Holzman uh, has been playing well for Marquette this season. Let's see what did he do today. I did not look at that. So. Um, Okay. Oh, yes, yes. He was out today. He was out. So they had Gabe Stein and Sean Richard. Do remember that now. So um, both those guys split time there. Uh, Gabe Stein had 17 uh, or 10 saves in the game. Uh, Sean Richard got some time in there at the end. Owen McElvoy had uh, 10 saves in cage for Georgetown. So uh, solid outing there for the Hoyas, even though they did give up. 13 points, which uh, if you look at what they've done thus far, it's kind of hard to believe. Um, moving on here to Lehigh and Loyola. Um, this this was a game I was kind of had it on my computer while I was watching the um, whatever game it was on the TV. I cannot remember, but had it kind of secondary screen, was peeking in from time to time on it. Um, it was close early on, five to three at half. Um, Lehigh wins ten to six, and this is a, a stat that sh- like really struck me. Um, this is their first ever win over um, Loyola. Like this was Lehigh's first ever win over Loyola. Just like that's crazy. To, that's crazy to me that. Is their first win over Loyola in program history for Lehigh, and to think about how long both of those programs have been around, I would have thought Lehigh would have at least gotten one. I mean, Jesus, um, this is a uh, stat that, that you know really struck me, and uh, when I first saw it, um, so Lehigh got the win here. Um, you know, gotta give credit where credit's due. Peter, uh, excuse me, Mike Sisselberger uh, with. 16 for 19 at the dot, 84%. Um, James Spence, 17 saves in cage. Uh, really, really uh, played well uh, in the specialist positions for Lehigh. Uh, Bailey Savio was back for this game for Loyola, uh, but he went 1 of 17, I believe. Um, or was it 1 of 12? Because I know he, he played. I saw him playing in this game and uh you know they went with someone else uh for yeah he went one of 12 one of 12 and then they put in eric uh Paccio, uh for and he went two of seven so not a good game uh savio was out last game so i uh, do wonder if he's kind of working something back uh working back into the lineup or whatever um you know first game back after being away um can, can take a toll on you um, no matter what your reason for absence was, um, whether it was a sickness or an injury. But um, and I don't know exactly why he was out last week, but he was not there. Um, but he was back, did not play well. 
did not play well at all for Loyola. And uh, Sisselberger, uh, you know, you know, got it done when he needed to at the dot, uh, going 84%. Uh, Tommy Schelling with uh, two goals, three assists for Lehigh to uh, lead that offense to victory there. Um, you know, it was a strong third-quarter effort that really put Lehigh over the edge here. Um, they went three straight early on, um, which, and they held Loyola to one goal in that third, by the way. So, went, you know, started with a three-goal run. I believe they outscored them, was it like five to one or something like that in the third? Um, obviously get the 10 to six win there. Um, Cole Coast, Colin Coast, uh, uh, Cole Coast, Cole Scott, uh, got the, uh, final two there from, uh, from, uh, Lehigh to seal the deal. Um, you know, late in the game, there was like an eight-minute drought where it was just like back-and-forth play, and Scott, that last goal, uh, ended that drought on both sides. Um, eight-minute drought there to end the game, but Lehigh gets that win. And, you know, Loyola, they are two and two. They beat Richmond. And they clocked Utah. They lost to Virginia 15 to 12. And they've lost to Lehigh 10 to 6. This is probably the most confusing team for me at this moment in time. I honestly do not know what this team is. Like, they've had stretches where it looks like their defense is the um like the headliner of this team in a sense. But then there's other times where Olmstead Lindley will go off and you're like, okay, this offense is what we thought it was. And they've had these little stretches almost in every game. Today was a very slow game offensively. Obviously only got six goals in this game. Um did not play well at all. Getting the ball was obviously an issue at the faceoff dot, but uh, you know, uh, it, you know, they, they go into next week will probably beat Lafayette, um, and then they got Bucknell. So, and, and then you got the rivalry game with Towson, and uh, then you take on you know Navy, Army, Navy, Lafayette, and uh, ending the season with Georgetown if they don't have to use that date as a makeup game. So, you know, it's not like the schedule gets any easier. Uh, Lafayette and Bucknell should be winnable, but Towson's a rivalry game. Navy's a good Navy's a good team. Army's a good team. You got to play Navy twice. Um, you know, I think you have two wins there in Lafayette, who you play twice as well. You know, who knows what you do against Bucknell? I haven't seen Bucknell this year because um, their first game is on Sunday. So when y'all listen to this, um, so we haven't seen Bucknell yet. They've poor Bucknell. They've been. Oh, man, I feel so bad for them. They have not had any COVID issues uh, that I know of, but they all their games have been canceled or postponed because of COVID from the other team. So feel very bad for Bucknell, but they're getting a game in tomorrow, uh, which is which is good to see. Um, they're against Cleveland State. So wish them the best. Um, always a fun team to watch there. So Patriot League with Loyola being kind of you know hard to read at the moment. Going to be an interesting conference, as always. Last game I really want to dive into here is Notre Dame and Bellarmine. This was an interesting one, uh, to say the least. And this is one, so Notre Dame was coming off of a win over Robert Morris, and Bellarmine was coming off a loss over Robert Morris. Um, Pretty bad loss. At that, um, got clocked in that one, essentially. And Notre Dame was the one who did the uh, the damage to the Colonials. Um, this was last week um, there. So, you know, two teams coming in at two different angles. And, um, you know, um, Bellarmine, you know, credit to, to the Knights. They came in um, with a ton of energy, like a, to- a ton of energy. If y'all watched them against Delaware, 
and saw like the fight they had to stay in that one, it was that similar kind of game. Um, they only lose 12 to 6, which is not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is one where, you know, the defense was obviously the big factor here. And we know uh, Notre Dame has always essentially been known for their defense um, for, you know, quite some time now. Um, and their defense did a good job of holding uh, Bellerman. They didn't get too many shots, uh, too many, like, solid looks on cage. But um, Notre Dame did. Um, and honestly, if J.C. Higginbotham would not have been in cage for Bellerman today, I think this would have been a 20-6 to game instead of 12-6. to uh, That's how big of an impact he had in this game. Uh, 15 saves uh, for Higginbotham there. Uh, you know, one of his best games of his career. Uh, seven saves just in the second quarter alone. Really kept that Notre Dame offense at bay um, there in the second. And, uh, you know, had a solid outing. Uh, really, the whole defense had a solid outing kind of in the in the third, um, second and third as well. Um and just a good a good performance from Bellerman. You know, similarly to what I said about Vermont, I don't know how you can feel. You know, if you can feel good about coming out of a loss, like essentially they should be feeling good coming out of this loss, even though they lost um, along those lines. Notre Dame, um, yeah, they did what we thought they would. Obviously, uh, didn't get as many points as I initially thought with Higginbotham and Cage, but um, you know, Cormac Mann uh, had four goals. Pat Cavanaugh, oh my lord, that dude, um, six assists for Notre Dame, and then the two-headed monster at the faceoff dot of Kyle Gallagher, Charlie Leonard, one eighty percent. And uh, Notre Dame, they got it done when they needed to. Uh, the talent kind of took over in the final you know, five, six minutes of the game. Um, and uh, the, the Irish pull out the 12-6 to win. Um, you know, definitely a lot closer than we all thought it would be. But uh, you know, the way that Notre Dame played and looked, I don't think was any different. Um, and, and I said before, like, replace Higginbotham with anybody else essentially in cage. And this would have been a 20 to six win for them. So uh, they got a lot of good looks on cage, um, especially in that second quarter um, when you thought it, any chance one's going to dribble in and they're going to pull away. Uh, they weren't able to do that until like the past, the, the last like eight minutes of the game essentially. So uh, a, a good win there for Notre Dame uh, pulling it out there against Bellerman and a good effort for Bellerman, um, obviously. And they had to uh, got a home game against VMI coming up. And then Notre Dame, who do they play next? The Irish next game will be against Marquette. So, ooh, Marquette coming off a, a – that, that, that could be a good one. Um, is that a Saturday game? Yeah, that, uh, the 17th, what is that? believe that's a, so I believe they don't play again until next Tuesday. Yeah, oh, that's St. Patrick's Day. Okay, they play on St. Patrick's Day. Um, Notre Dame and Marquette, two Catholic schools playing on St. Patrick's Day. What do you know? So that should be a decent one there, uh, but again, a good win for uh, Notre Dame and a good effort for Bellerman in that one. Some other games I do want to mention here. Uh, already mentioned DeHoka and his seven points as UAlbany gets past Hartford, 16-6. Uh, UMBC is 2-0. Uh, they took down Stony Brook in quadruple overtime, 13-12. Um, if y'all didn't get to see like the past two overtimes, that's because the stream link died or like 
it expired. So like literally, the stream expired. So if you were on the stream, you could still watch it, but you couldn't go and find the stream. It, it, the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Uh, Nick Dupas, five points in, in, in the game, three goals to assist, including the game-winning goal in the fourth overtime period. We saw Army avoid a Boston U comeback, getting that win 12-10. to Boston U looked good um, in that one. Uh, almost forced the complete comeback there uh, to get the win, but fell short 10-12. to Though, Timmy Lay, man, like, get, like, this dude does not get enough um, hype. Timmy Lay uh, had a solid game. We know what Vince D'Alto can do. Uh, we've seen him do it for multiple years. Timmy Lay has, has done similar. Um, you know, in this game, he, I mean, he had six points, I mean, six goals, against Merrimack in week one, a hat trick against Pace, and he had six points again today. Four goals to assist um, has been the leader for that Boston U offense. Uh, Brendan Nick turned a hat trick and three assists in this one for Army. We saw Wyatt Schupler with 17 saves in this one. Matt Garber with 12 saves for Boston U. He's been playing well. Also this season. Moving on here to some other games. Hobart beats Mount St. Mary's 13-9 to open their season. Drexel beats Towson 12-10. Uh, this is one I did not get to watch. Um, I Well, I watched like five minutes of it. I tuned in just a bit. Um, but uh, Sean Donnelly, a solid game from him. Seven points in the win there. Uh, Reed Bowering and Colin Mailman only had one goal each in this one. It was kind of surprising for uh, how much Drexel has leaned on the, on those guys. Uh, Ross uh, Blumthal with 12 saves. Shane Brennan with uh, 12 saves as well uh, for the Towson Tigers. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure what... Um, went down at the face-off dot here, but Shane uh, Santora went 77% for Towson. Um, Jemiah Cota and Anthony Rosado split duty for Drexel. Uh, Cota went 25%. Rosado went 21%. I would have expected Cota to at least go 50 in this game. Um, he's been one of the better face-off men in the CAA for the past couple seasons. Um, not exactly sure what went down this game. Again, only got to watch like five minutes of it, saw maybe two goals, but um, and Kota didn't take either of those faceoffs. Um, so not exactly sure went, what went down there, but not a good day at the dot for Drexel when I would have expected it to be at least a 50% day um, for the Dragons there. Um I mentioned we were going to talk about some MAC teams. We are here, um, and we are now. So first, got to mention St. Bonaventure getting their first program win. Uh, fantastic win for them. They went 0-13 in their first season. I believe they were 0-6 last year when the season was cut short. Um, they come in today, and they get that first program win. Um, you, you know, you, you, you see the, the 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 video of them storming the field, getting on their goalie. You know that's got to feel good. A fantastic win for these guys. They've worked hard for this. They've built this program, um, and, and we're seeing that. The fruits of their labor have finally paid off. Getting that win, they've been close in multiple games over the past two seasons. Kicking off year three. With a victory, uh, you, you know, no better feeling for the Bonnies uh, than to start the season like this. And to do it against the Quinnipiac team, which, yes, they went 0-6 last year. But they were in the MAC title game in 2019. To do it against a program like that that's been pretty consistent um, as a MAC contender, at least, um, it has got to feel even better. So uh, the Bonnies 
They flew out of the gate 3-0, took a 3-2 lead at the end of the first, 9-4 at half, and then they outscored Quinnipiac 4-2 in the third to seal the deal. Both defenses stood tall in the final stands of there. No goal in the fourth. Uh, St. Bonaventure, 13-6 victory. Austin Blomberg's uh, led St. Bonaventure with six points, three goals, three assists. He's a guy that since his freshman year, which was the first year of the program, has been the guy that they've gone to um, offensively. And uh, he had himself a great day. He had a bit of a rougher season last year um, for the games they played. Um, so to open up like this, uh, got to feel good for Blumbergs and really that whole St. Bonaventure offense. Uh, Brett Dobson with 14 saves in cage. Um, George Dimitri went 12 for 19 at the faceoff dot for Quinnipiac. Um, you know, coming out of this game for St. Bonaventure, um, obviously we only Mac play, so, um, you know, we only are going to get to see these teams in the MAC. Um, St. Bonaventure, they're coming out of this one and going straight to Detroit Mercy next week. And then Quinnipiac, they've got Marist, which is going to be a tough one. Um, so, you know, how does Mar- how does Quinnipiac bounce back from this? And I, <laughs> after this loss, I had some people message me and said, Tanner, didn't you write that they were one of your potential bounce-back teams? Uh, yes, I did say that. I have written that, that Quinnipiac uh, was a potential bounce-back team this year, along with Towson and some other teams. Um, and I still believe that. Um, you know, losing your first game after the longest offseason in the history of the game, um, you know, I don't think that, that that's not going to knock anybody um, out of – contention, especially in the MAC where you're going conference only, it can hurt you in the standings, but I think I still think Quinnipiac is one of the top four teams in the MAC um this year. When you look on paper at the talent they have, uh they're still a pretty good team. They hit a rough patch today. They could bounce back. Uh St. Bonaventure for all we know could uh you know, you know lose the rest of their games. Uh they have a tough one against Detroit Mercy. Canisius, they got is their second game. They got a win today. And they play Quinnipiac again. So who's not to say Quinnipiac wins that second game? Who's not to say St. Bonaventure goes undefeated and is much better than we thought they were? Um, you know, anything is possible here, and it's still early, especially for these MAC teams getting underway this week. So uh, it's way too early to say, you know, you were wrong about this team, you were wrong about that team. Um, no. Uh, you know, I'm wrong about a lot of stuff, and I know a lot of y'all are as well. But, uh, you know, definitely a tough loss there for Quinnipiac to start the season, but a good win for St. Bonaventure. You know, mentioning Marist uh, just a few minutes ago, you know, they got their win, uh, season opening win, 15 to 11 over Detroit Mercy. Um, this was a very good game here. Vito Musso uh, with five goals in the win. Uh, Jamison M. Bailey with three goals, three assists, and Hunter M. Bailey with two goals and one assist, uh, the younger brother of uh, Jamison there. Um, and a, a good game all around. No, we didn't see JoJo Pecora had one goal, one assist. Joe Tierney was, uh, had no points in this one. Uh, Detroit mostly held Joe Tierney to absolutely zero points in this game. Um, a good defensive effort by Detroit Mercy to lock him off. But they got 15 goals anyway. For the Titans, and and, and, and one last thing on Marist. Um, Logan uh, Covey, phenomenal game in cage um, in his first start. Logan Shamblin, you know, for Detroit Mercy, he's been... Um, he's been a guy that's been solid. He had a rough patch last year, but people forget he was the 2019 Mac defensive player of the year. Uh, not a good start for him. Nine saves, 38, uh, save percentage. But again, first game and against essentially the best offense in your conference, uh, not an easy game to start with. 
this season after being off so long, but uh, did think Detroit mostly held in there uh, very good. And this was a matchup between preseason one and two um, in the conference. Alex Jarzembowski was the guy, again, for Detroit mostly 15 to 28, uh, 15 for 28 at the faceoff dot. Um, he's been tearing up the uh, Mac ever since he stepped foot there in Detroit um, and continues to do so. But Oskin uh, with a solid game, uh, three goals, three assists for the Titans uh, in the 15-11 loss. Um, as I mentioned, they got St. Bonaventure next week, an ability to bounce back there. Um, and I, again, preseason 1-2 matchup here today. Um, and these two teams will face each other later on in the season as well um, in late April. So that's going to be one definitely to watch because, you know, this game, until Marist kind of pulled away at the end, but, and you know, the majority of this game, it, it could go, it could have gone either way. Could have gone either way. A couple, well, one SoCon game to mention here, um, just kind of a shout-out thing here. Um, again, we mentioned St. Bonaventure got their first program win. Uh, VMI gets their first win in the James Papilla era, 13-12. They hold, they hold on there to beat Lafayette, 13-12. Uh, congrats to uh, Coach Papilla, his whole staff there on their first win at VMI. They've got Bellarmine coming up here and Louisville um, midweek here. So uh, going to be a quick turnaround from them. Uh, for them, uh, will be interesting. Interesting to see how they handle that. Obviously, they've been hit by COVID and have had some cancellations as well. Um, like a whole month, essentially taken off of those seasons. So, uh, you know, good to see them getting on the field today and uh, getting that win. Um, they had the what was it, eleven a.m. game. Um, so, you know, one of the early ones. I don't. Not a ton of people watch those games, but. Uh, no, definitely a, a solid one there. Um, showed a lot really on both ends that, uh, you know, start, start the Papilla era off solid. Last game I do want to mention here. Last game here. And, you know, uh, you know we're, we're not going to go over the uh, you know, UNC blowout over Mercer, the Virginia blowout over Air Force. We're not going to go over those. But do want to mention this one here because it is a rematch of a game that we saw a few weeks ago, a midweek game. So LIU takes down Sacred Heart 12 to 10. And if you remember a few weeks ago in their season opener, LIU lost to Sacred Heart 12 to 10 in a non-conference game. They take them down 13 to 10 here in this game. I wasn't able to get my eyes on this one, but um the LIU offense um, had themselves a good day. Richie LaCandra, six points, two goals in the game. Jake Gillis, a hat trick. Uh, Blake uh, Beelan, a hat trick. Good game all around for LIU offensively. Logan Wiedgerberg, uh, Drew Edwards were the two guys um, that, you know, the two known commodities were the ones that did the damage for the Pioneers. In Cage, Will Mark, 18 saves, and Colton King, 18 saves. Both goalies had phenomenal games last time out against each other. Did that again here today. When you look at the faceoff dot, pretty even. Uh, Emerson Tyler, 14-27. Connor Callahan, 13-27. Um, at the dot for uh, the Pioneers and Tyler for the uh, Sharks, so so pretty even game there between the two. Um, I'm gonna try to go back and watch that that replay because if you remember the uh, midweek game a few weeks ago, it was like like I th- was it Sacred Heart pulled away um, a lot like in the second, and now you kind of came storming back, and honestly, it looked like. Both these teams pretty evenly matched. Um, Sacred Heart had one game under their belt, I believe. LIU did not. 
that's kind of what I, I attributed that game to um, for how Sacred Heart was able to pull away. Uh, but definitely an interesting one there in the NEC, especially given that they've already played each other. Um, I don't think they'll play each other again this season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they will not play each other again this season. So um, and kind of a rivalry building there between the two. Um, in the NEC, obviously, LIU's second year in the NEC. Uh, they did play last year because they played a non-conference game against each other um, in 2020. Because um, so, I think that was the only like conference conference game, and I'm using air quotes because it was not a conference game. Uh, it was a conference game that was a non-conference game, much like we've seen multiple times this year. But they did that last year, and you know, uh, presumably will do that in multiple you no know, multiple years to come. So uh, definitely an, an interesting one there in the NEC. Um, as we I finish up recording here, Colgate and Holy Cross are going to overtime is what I'm getting here. Um, trying to pull up the score here just to kind of give this here. Um, yeah, so it's tied 11, and we're going to overtime. Uh, I'm going to get off here, watch that overtime win. Okay. Watch that overtime victory uh, for whichever team can get that final goal. Um, as always, thank y'all for listening. You can find us on lacrossebucket.com, social media at lacrossebucket, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. My personal at Tanner underscore Dimling. And we'll see y'all on Tuesday. Enjoy the games on, t- on uh, Sunday. Uh, big one, Richmond and Duke. Uh, we'll certainly talk about uh, the Sunday games on Tuesday. Um, maybe not all of them, but we'll certainly talk about that Duke and Richmond game, um, if not others. So as always, thank you all for listening and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend and the lacrosse that is to come.